Ladies and gentlemen, it's 1995. Michael Keaton is gone and Val Kilmer has taken on the cape and cowl to become the masked Avenger of Justice. That was not ever one of his nicknames, but you know who I'm talking about. The Dark Knight, the Caped Crusader, Batman, you know, Batman. I'm Natalie Bohensky and this is Raven Bat, the Raven on Batman subsection analytical recap podcast thingy. Today we're discussing the 1995 epic Batman Forever. And with me, as always, to discuss this film is a man who always sleeps face down across an entire inside bed, totally nude, wrapped in a lacy sheet <laughs> with the windows ajar. Just in case Batman happens to turn up on his balcony at midnight, ready for a smooch. <laughs> it's Stuart Late! Hello, Natalie. Hello, everyone. Yes, I'm always ready. Always, always ready for waiting. that. Just one day it'll happen, Stuart. One day. One day Batman will turn up and kiss you and you'll be able to say, I've always wanted this Batman, but wait, I've met someone else. <laughs> oh, yeah. boy. Batman forever. Batman uh, forever. Forever and ever. Although this was the shortest of the live action films so far. Was it really? Because it felt long. It did feel long. It was two hours and two minutes. And I think the other two, Batman and Batman Returns, were like two and six and two and five, something like that. So it it shaved a couple of minutes off. The reason it probably felt so long is because it had an underwater fight sequence. And so I flash back to Thunderball. (laughs) Can I tell you, that was so dark, I kind of tuned out. (laughs) <laughs> I was making dinner and I sort of took the opportunity to just chop some vegetables and turn my back on the TV. <laughs> it's like, oh, I'm sure they'll be okay. Ah, it's fine. They're probably not going to kill Robin underwater. Probably not initially. Although he did, I mean, I've got this in my minute challenge, but I did love that you need a hand. It looks like you need a hand, Batman. Well, two is better than better odds. Yeah. So let's go together to take down Two-Face and the Riddler. <laughs> Robin immediately captured. Yeah. <laughs> like immediately his boat blows up and he's has an underwater fight. Anyway, <laughs> I haven't really formed an opinion on this film yet. We'll we'll work that out as we as we go along. But we have a treat for listeners. We certainly do. A treat. Joining us is a man who made uh, our hearts leap with joy with his coverage of several of the Bond films. During our Bond recap in 2020, please welcome back Nick Wiggins. Hello. We love you, Nick. Thank you so much for coming back. My pleasure. I'm here in my studio surrounded by all the colours. All All the the neon (laughs) colours. You've decorated neon neon just for the time. Yeah. Every wall, different colour. Yeah. Have you... Have you taken about three hours to get dressed up in various neon sort of camo goth club kid raver paints, outfits, braids, hair pieces, clothes? Have you have you just done about three or four hours of outfit planning to go out and like <laughs> commit small time crime on the street? Because that seems to be what people do in Gotham City. Yeah, and, and I have the the, the black light. Yes, just so yeah. I can <laughs> turn that on. Yeah, you've got to have you've got to just have a, a, someone walking behind you with a black light at all times to make sure your outfit pops. What are we talking about? We're talking about Batman Forever. Nick, you requested to come on for this particular film, so let's start with you. Why Batman Forever? I, look, I can't defend this. It's not the best, <laughs> but it's the gay one. <laughs> 
I, I, I mean, I had that thought. Oh, Natalie. Yeah. Which, <laughs> are you referring to like the way that uh, Robin and Batman are kind of shaking hands a lot? And well, this I mean, is the film that gives us bat nipples, isn't it? Like, it, it is the film that gives us bat nipples. And look, yes, there's the earring, but yeah. I, look, the if you had any doubt with the bat nipples or the bat butt, there's <laughs> it, it's. We got just got to cut to oh jeez we got to cut to the chase Marie <laughs> the panic on his face on that rooftop <laughs> where he's telling her we all wear masks <laughs> and I haven't had much luck with women yeah. and it, like he's faced down so many foes but he just wants to get out of there <laughs> Nick are you saying there might be some sort of uh, hidden subtext there I, subtext. <laughs> he, he he like runs he runs flamboyantly off the roof lands in his car shakes his head and says women <laughs> i see now this is the thing i don't want to be politically incorrect so i didn't want to kind of come rampaging in and go wow i feel like there was a lot of homoeroticism in this film because you know <laughs> I don't have the best gaydar at times, and so I just might be projecting my, you know, weird kind of straight woman thing onto it. And I didn't want to do, I didn't want to sort of like assume. Neither does Chase. She doesn't have the best gaydar either. Because <laughs> she is fully into it, and, and oh. he's just not initially. In fact, ever. He's, he's not ever. <laughs> I, I have this on my minute challenge where it's like, I don't know if they cast Val Kilmer or a cardboard cutout of Val Kilmer. Because <laughs> I don't know he's, what the difference would be. He's blown past brooding, that's for sure. Yeah. He's pretty boring. Square jawed though. He does have the good jaw for it. But look, before we go on, Nick, you summarised Die Another Day so well. I, I still <laughs> laugh whenever I think about how it was Colonel Sun's son, <laughs> Moontan Sun, tries to blow up the sun. Anyway, it, it, read my recaps. It's hilarious. Point is, have, how would you explain this film? Because I kind of ran out of the ability to understand what was going on beyond Jim Carrey wants to control people's brains for reasons. <laughs> I think bank yeah, passwords look, seem to be it. I should have thought to, to, to try and write a, uh, a zippy summary. My biggest take with this one is that all the Batman scenes and all the villain scenes are just Batman 66. Yes. Like the tone is just Batman 66. <laughs> it's not like the, it's not the Tim Burton dark whimsical camp. It's just Batman 66. I think the, the Bruce Wayne scenes are different. That's more, you know, 90s, a little bit of 90s drama. And, sort of psychodrama, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but, and, and 90s movie clips, you know, like <laughs> film clips as like bats fly towards. <laughs> um, but the, the Batman stuff and the villain stuff is just straight 66. Even, they even do a little 66 homage in one point where he drives the bat mobile up the wall yes. you hear a little bit of like wah, wah. Yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah i heard that too and also the opening fight scene batman gets trapped in a vat of boiling acid <laughs> and i was like wait what i do not recall this at all this is just straight how out is, of the how face keeping that acid on the boil i would like to know like yeah, what makes how- it boiling acid and he's dragging this whole vessel on a rope or somewhere how is the acid not tipping upside down Anyway, the logistics and physics are mind-boggling. But I guess I would summarise this film as Bruce Wayne has got money 
he doesn't want to invest in his crazy employee Edward Nigma's mind control device, which is essentially a giant colander with bits on uh, that you attach to your head and you drain other people's brain waves and that gives you power somehow. And then also Two-Face is there because he hates Batman because, forgive me if I'm wrong, because Batman (laughs) failed to save him from getting shot in court by a mobster. No, having acid splashed on his face by by a mobster. Oh, it was acid. Okay. Oh, hence the acid in the... Right. Now I'm with you. I thought he was shot. So Batman didn't splash the acid on him. Batman turned up in court fully dressed. Batman was was presumably sitting in court fully (laughs) dressed in costume. (laughs) Again, straight straight from straight from, straight from Batman sixty six. This yeah, definitely had more of the sixty six to the point of that, you know, holy rusted metal Batman line that Christopher yes. O'Donnell Chris mm. O'Donnell delivers. I remember at the time seeing this in the cinema, because I saw this one in the cinema, how delighted I was by that line. I thought that was <laughs> so clever. And, you know, maybe for the time it was. But, yeah, so basically there's a brain control plot. Two-Face just wants to kill Batman. He really has no other motivation at all, and even that's pretty weak. He just wants to create chaos, and it's like they've gone, what's really fun about the Joker, just creating chaos and killing people, but we can't have the Joker, so let's just make it Two-Face. Well, Um, it's a weird thing, too, because Two-Face wants to kill Batman, but Robin wants to kill Two-Face. So Two-Face is set up as Batman's nemesis, but his whole thing is with the Riddler. Yes. So it's this weird... It's a weird villain, villain superhero love triangle. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, it's a love triangle between those three and uh, Robin trying to get in on the axe. And then the only thing is uh, Batman has a woman psychologist who's after him. She's like a police psychologist, apparently. I think that's why she's there. Obsessed with bad guys. She she immediately and completely throws herself at him, yes. and he could not be more awkward. Or <laughs> like he he did, he wants no part of it. It's pretty great because if I can tell you, <laughs> that's sort of been my experience. <laughs> I, I found it funny. So, someone else I can't take credit for this observation because it's it's online. But she wears fewer and fewer clothes when <laughs> she is with him to the point that she eventually is into like she kisses him she's just has a sheet on yeah yeah like yeah that's, that's what i that's mean because that's what i mean she's sleeping nude to a, to a meeting that she she told him to she, be there and she told him to be there and then she's fallen asleep but totally nude full face of makeup hair fully blown yeah. out she's ready and waiting and yet somehow asleep because it's sexy <laughs> it just made me laugh so much it was like oh that is so not the I mean, I know that uh, Michelle Pfeiffer's Selena Kyle with the, hi, honey, I'm home. Oh, no, that's right. I'm pathetic. (laughs) As much as women don't do that, we also don't tend to just sort of lie sexily around the house with a full face of makeup on. I I I hate to break it to you guys, but yeah. Anyway, so so many illusions here. So while I think that maybe this plot might be better than Batman Returns, it doesn't really exist also. I can't really explain what the plot of the film is because I don't think it's... it's, Oh, and and Batman has repressed memories because, of course, it was the mid-'90s. It was huge at the time. Yeah. And also, you know, I mean, it does does fit with his whole deal that he's got some psychological trauma that he needs to work through. Yeah, you're right. That's probably probably the most interesting thing. Joel Schumacher had some, like, ideas for how to fill a room with smoke and shine some lights through it. Have have a boy walk and pick up a book and and I like in, in what in what is shot it's shot in that weird slow motion that like film clips of that era were shot in yeah so yes. I, I just I just keep expecting like Slash to come out and do a big guitar solo or something. <laughs> 
if only, if only. If only. Well, I will say, I will say that this film and Batman and Robin, which we will get to next week, but the the thing that I remember about them and what I think holds up the best is the pop music they've used as the soundtrack because that you do <laughs> song, Hold Me, Kiss Hold me, kiss me, kill me, thrill me. Hold me, thrill me, kiss me, kill me. Look, I can never say it right, but you know the one. That's a banger. I'm sorry. I really like 90s era U2. I I know I'm bad. I know everyone hates U2. I don't know why. I quite like U2. But that one and the one that they, oh, no, no, sorry, Smashing Pumpkins did for Batman and Robin. Smashing Pumpkins and Batman and Robin. But this was the movie that had uh, Kiss from a Rose by Seal. Yes. Mm, Well, that was. I think that was popular just a bit before and then they used it for this film. No, 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 that was for this film. The the film clip for the the song has clips of the movie all through it. Right. It was was a song he'd released like the year before and had apparently like done nothing and then – Joel Schumacher was apparently thought that he could use that for like a love scene. Yeah. Well, uh, and then tried it out. It didn't work. And was like, oh, I'll put it on the credits anyway. It's the 90s. What? You know, that, that's what we do. And then we sell soundtracks to yeah. people in CD form. Oh, and how? Mm. That's a good soundtrack. Not going to lie to you. I was uh, gyrating at the end of the film. <laughs> Just like, well, it's, it's, not, it's got some deep cuts too. I mean, there's there's uh, there's an Offspring song in there. Yes. Oh my things. god! The oh, do you remember the Offspring? Yes. Shoot, Nick, you're a bit younger. I don't know if you fully I into do. the. I do. do. Oh, that was a time. Didn't they just sack? <laughs> didn't they, didn't I read somewhere that the Offspring Offspring just sacked like their drummer because he wouldn't get vaccinated or something? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Can you imagine? Can you imagine back in 1995 thinking that pop punk? Rockabilly, whatever they were, the Offspring. Imagine the. Well, also end. like their, their their lead singer and lead guitarist Dexter Holland is now an immunologist. Wait, what? He has a qualification in um, it's either immunology or, or or virology or something like that. Like he's he's and, and he's directly helping to work on various like treatments for COVID. That's Isn't that insane? That's amazing. Twenty twenty one, man. <laughs> that's that's such a nice. Is like you know what? I'm going to put my faith in the Offspring. Um, <laughs> the, the guy who wrote Pretty Fly for, Fly a, white for a White Guy, guy. <laughs> is, is helping to defeat COVID. Oh, they were so big in the 90s. They were great, The Offspring. I had a lot of time for The Offspring. <laughs> mm. But anyway, um, as we as we progress into the podcast, Stu, do you or are you in a position to take us through a bit of background on Batman Forever? Because- yes, absolutely. So as we talked about in our Batman Returns episode, uh, people reacted uh, with a mixed reaction to uh, <laughs> the intensely personal sex fantasy that was uh, Batman Returns. <laughs> Um, and remarkably, it affected the film's box office. So it did all right. It, it was still like a big film, but it was it didn't make as much money as the first movie, and and it certainly didn't make as much money as Warner Brothers wanted. So th- there was some talk about Tim Burton coming back, but eventually he stepped away uh, as director and stayed on as a producer. Yeah, because it still says it's like a Tim Burton production. Yeah, well, they were still trading on the Tim Burton name because I mean Tim Burton at this point was Tim Burton the brand basically, so they could still like slap his name on all the posters. It's it's like a Tim Burton production but you know he's not actually directly involved in making the film and so instead they uh tapped joel schumacher to do it and he brought a different vibe as we've (laughs) already discussed he was tasked by the studio to lighten things up that they felt that things got too weird and too dark and so they the the studio executives said look we want it to appeal to kids it needs to be more toyetic was the word that that kept getting thrown around like they wanted to be able to to sell toys to kids and sell uh you know famously mcdonald's pulled out of the happy meal tie-in for Batman Returns, 
they were all in for, for Batman Forever. There was all sorts of tie-in products and all that sort of thing. There was there was multiple toys and, and fast food lines and also all sorts of cross-promotional stuff. So it just became this behemoth. And it actually did pretty well. I think it, it ended up earning $350 million worldwide, which was considered mm. like really good. It did get some mixed reviews, but it was mostly still positive at this stage. And the next film was immediately greenlit. So Batman and Robin went into production straight away. So it was only a two-year turnaround between the two films. So So how did Val Kilmer come to be our Batman? So Michael Keaton, once Tim Burton left, did not really like the idea of continuing on. He was open to the idea of staying on. And then I think he decided, the common wisdom is that he decided he didn't want to be typecast as Batman. And unfortunately, that that ship had already sailed. (laughs) He was very much typecast as Batman. He walked away. Apparently, they were offering him $15 million for the role plus, like, points. He basically turned down $30 million. Oh, my uh, God. For this movie, eventually. Like, he would have taken home $30 million. Wow. And he decided, uh, no, I, I'd rather not. <laughs> um, so, and that affected a bunch of other things because Chase Meridian, who is apparently not a, a late addition but was in the in the script from day one with that name, was originally going to be played by Rene Russo, who was, at the time, she'd just turned 40 and Michael Keaton was 42. That was considered, like, good. It was going to be, like, a, you know, a slightly older pairing. That's um, not only good, that's... Pairing. That's amazing. Yeah, 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 yeah. But once they stepped away, they got Val Kilmer, who was in his early 30s at the time, and it was decided that she would be too old. And so then she got fired, unfortunately. And they considered a whole bunch of people and they eventually went with Nicole Kidman. So yeah, so basically uh, we nearly got a third movie with Michael Keaton, but he just decided he didn't want to be typecast as Batman. And then he was typecast as Batman anyway until Mm. very recently. And then Mm. now he's reprising his role. So it was a complete course correction. And Schumacher is on record. And Nick, I don't know whether you've seen the the same featurettes and various things that I I have, but basically he decided that he was told to lighten it up. And the only version of Batman that he really knew, because he had really seen he went back and watched them but he wasn't really it wasn't like his batman he, he didn't know the burton films particularly well he was familiar as everyone was with the the, the 66 version yeah and so he was like well that's uh... batman right like he he hadn't he hadn't read the comics he hadn't done any of that he was like i'll just make it like the 66 version so this movie is a deliberate attempt to homage and reference the the 1966 version of Batman but it's this weird marriage because it has that high camp and that that neon aesthetic Mm. but it also has you know it has this holdover because it is a a direct continuation of the two Burton films yeah so it's got the dark um it's got a lot of those matte paintings for some of the big set pieces like the the one that comes to my mind is the Gotham City Circus when they're having the gala at the circus yeah and it's just a matte painting with a bit of a searchlight going across it yeah absolutely I think he's I think this film looks amazing there's so many cool, you know, like there's the chase where just every, it's not even each building is a different color. It's like every five meters, there's a different color. <laughs> yeah. And and there's the neon, you've got the neon fight, but even yeah. things like the, like the circus, like there's that amazing shot as they're doing the trapeze that's like shot from above of them kind of, they kind of yeah. swing across the yeah. frame. Well, I mean, the, th- the thing is, that, and the thing that I really noticed watching them in order like this is that I think Joel Schumacher is a way better action director oh, yeah. than Tim Burton is. Like, because the, the action in this movie is such a, a noticeable step up to the point yeah. where you actually 
see Batman fight some people. Yeah. And it doesn't look like a man in a very uncomfortable <laughs> suit. It looks like a, a trained master tactician fighting a group of thugs, you know? Yeah. I, except for I, except I, for they do do the they do that that, that little thing yeah. where someone's going ha 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 and then Batman just goes and then he just kicks them, and, yes, or kicks them yeah it's just one gotta kick and you got to have that like, when I think of the Burton like I love the Burton films but when I picture them I think of the same couple of street corners yes <laughs> like press conferences on steps yeah. there's a, like a, a, a public square that every, yeah. all the action's going to happen in and a lot of the action ends up being like weird goon comes up Batman does this one thing this person comes up he does this one yeah. thing you know yeah. he, he he raises and lowers whereas this batman like swoops in he does yes. flips yeah yes. he like fights a couple of people at the same time and um, in a refreshing yeah. change he goes out of his way not to kill a goon he, at the start where he comes out of the elevator which actually is in a really cool action sequence the guy charges him and he kind of does it like a judo move and throws him over his shoulder but he catches him before he goes down the elevator shaft which I thought was like a really interesting touch because in a Burton film, he would have just murdered that guy. Well, I mean, yeah. don't forget there is a chase where he's in his car and he fires a like a bazooka well, that's true. into it's, a van it's, that's and true. a whole it's bunch of perfect. goons. It's not perfect. <laughs> so yeah, so was it much talk about Val Kilmer? Like what was the reaction to, to him at the time? Critics really focused on the villains because obviously they're the big colourful, uh, you know, parts of this. Val Kilmer, he didn't get a lot of praise because he is very muted. And it's crazy because he's coming directly off Tombstone, I think. I think that was his immediate, or he might have been like just before. Yeah, he was in Tombstone uh, as Doc Holliday, which is like a, a star turn, like an absolutely fantastic. He, he was got in a an movie Oscar called... or something for that, didn't he? Or I nominated think so, or... Yeah, 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 I think so from memory. He was in a movie called Wings of Courage then, between that, and then his next role was Batman Forever. And he goes he goes on from this to do Heat by Michael, mm. Michael Mann, um, which is an incredible movie. And actually was a big influence on uh, on the Nolan Batman films, but we'll, but we'll get there. So he's coming off a hot streak. Like he's been in, um, he's been in, you know, True Romance, in Tombstone. He he played Jim Morrison in The Doors. He was in I Top mean, Gun. I was, you know, like guys, he, can we talk about Val Kilmer in Top Gun? <laughs> the Iceman. Iceman. It's cold. Yes. It's Indeed. Never puts Speaking of uh, homoerotic subtext. Yeah, just so mm. much gum chewing. Val Kilmer just could not be parted <laughs> from a stick of PK. It was just like constant, like. Val Kilmer and his gum. <laughs> it's probably the most sexual relationship of that film. And that's saying a lot. Ah, oh, the volleyball scene. I have a real soft spot for Top Gun. I don't know if we talked about this in the last episode, <laughs> but but I often will just throw on the theme song, the Howard Fosemeyer oh, yeah. and uh, that guitarist guy, just the... It's just like, if you need a, like a pick-me-up, if you need a, you know, just that dong with the, you know the base and if you need just need to pick me up and want to be like yeah i'm gonna conquer the world i just recommend putting that on about four minutes and the great thing about it is that it doesn't end it just fades out and as i always say with songs that fade out they're always playing somewhere they've never actually ended because africa by toto is like that it just fades out it's like no it doesn't end the implication being it can fade back in at any time (laughs) Exactly, Stu, exactly. But yeah, Val Kilmer was a big, and Top Secret was his first film. Yeah, of course, yeah, yeah. And he's great in that. He is, he's very good in that. I only saw that in the last like five years or so, I think is when I first saw Top Secret. But he's, because he's so square jawed and handsome and because I guess they had him just playing it straight, Hmm. the comedy bounces off him really well. 
which is it's an interesting thing for a, an actor who is so obviously kind of serious is in this film anyway there's a few times when he's being really serious but it made me laugh and I don't think <laughs> and I don't think it meant to the no. one that I think of straight away is him solving the riddles it's like but a clock and a match well that that's directly out of the it's 66 I mean straight it's out such of 66. an homage yeah oh yeah my God. it's it's straight to the you know the oh but the cat C, the C, C is the for cat woman and then he's like, well, the numbers correspond to the letters of the alphabet. Huh, but that word doesn't make sense. What if these two numbers just added together and made 18? Oh, then that's an R. And then it's Mr. E, Mr. E, Mr. Enigma, Mr. No, Mr. Ed Enigma. Edward Enigma. Like, also, why would why would the Riddler be so obsessed with, like, bragging about himself like that? What's the point? Also, like, the Riddler sent the first riddle before he became the Riddler. Yes. <laughs> He also he also rode out to Bruce Wayne's uh, like <laughs> front <laughs> gate, assuming there would be no security cameras. Yeah, no, there isn't. Yeah, yeah. There isn't because if you see, um, there's another part where there's no security. Oh, gosh. oh the Halloween. Yeah, yes. well, when they just yeah, it's just and, and the Riddler just waltz in. I mean, it's just... Wayne Manor for God's sake. <laughs> but it's a different Wade Manor as well. Like they've brightened up Wayne Manor a bit. It's not yeah, the sort of stark have, house true. from Psycho that it was in Batman Returns. <laughs> it's got some lights in it this time in a fireplace. Yeah. It's not just Michael Keaton sitting at a desk in the darkness only to stand up when the bat signal shines through the window. <laughs> but, yeah, so and why why didn't Val Kilmer then come back? Why did he only do the one? This is the thing. So the, the official story is that he was busy filming uh, The Saint because that, that sort of came out at the same time. That's um, right. In fact, in fact, that came out the same year as um, as Batman and Robin. Um, and I don't think it did as well. There was that whole trend in the 90s, wasn't there, of like revisiting 60s British kind of dramas because they did the yeah. Avengers too. I mean, look, you know, re- remaking things is not a new, a recent phenomenon. No. <laughs> it's been happening for a long time. No, but it's just interesting to know if they'll try that again. Like if they'll go, look, we know we did The Saint in the 90s with Val Kilmer, but let's try again with, you know, Zac Efron or something. <laughs> <laughs> Copyright that idea. Nobody take that from yeah. me without a royalty Copyright, payment. trademark. But, yeah, no, so th- that's the official version. But the unofficial version is that he was an absolute dickhead on set. Apparently he was a real diva and uh, did not get on with Joel Schumacher at all. Apparently uh, Schumacher had to call him childish and impossible. Apparently Kilmer refused to speak to Schumacher directly for two weeks after the director told him to stop being rude to the crew. Oh, so wow. I, I don't know what was going on. And it's weird because apparently he leapt at the chance to play Batman. Apparently he was a fan of Batman. He'd been a fan of the Burton films. He signed on having not seen a finished script or he actually was signed before Schumacher was signed. So it was this bizarre thing where he just sort of got there and apparently just had a terrible time and everyone hated working with him. So he didn't come back for the next movie. It feels like he's like trying to do Keaton, but then also do the like po-faced 1960s thing and then just disappearing into all of it. You know, and and look, he's playing, he's playing against some very big actors, but (laughs) but even even the scenes, even the scenes on his own when, or when he's Bruce Wayne, he's just kind of boring. Yeah. And he's going for repressed, but it's just coming across as cardboard. Like it's nothing. He was in a, he's been the subject of a documentary recently. Mm. Yeah. Cause he, he had cancer. I believe, I think that his son, I think, has narrated the documentary because he has to use a a, a thing to talk through his throat. Yeah, it seems very sad. Because he's going to be in Top Gun Maverick too, by the looks of things, which I'm excited about. 
That's great. Imagine. <laughs> well, because that, that's in the can and has been for a couple of years now, right? Well, it's COVID. It's being held over until they can get everyone in cinemas. Also, I imagine that the Navy wants to use it as a recruiting drive again, so they want to time it. They want to time it for when uh, American students are finishing graduating from high school. (laughs) Because that's what they did with the first one. They literally had Navy recruitment centres outside cinemas, so people coming out were just like, yeah, I'm going to join the Navy. And people were like, yeah, I joined. I ended up sweeping floors for three years. I didn't get to fly in airplanes and make out with hot chicks. But yeah, so Val Kilmer does seem to be, you hear that a bit, that he's kind of method, but also can be a bit of a diva. So he sounds like an interesting character. Yeah. And I mean interesting in the may you live in interesting times kind of way. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, he kind of, I mean, I, 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 I don't know what you guys, he can come across as quite wooden. I quite like his take on Batman. I think it's an interesting, he, he makes an interesting Batman. I think he doesn't work at all as Bruce Wayne. Except for the, uh, I will give him credit points for black turtlenecks. Where's a black yeah. turtleneck? Yes. Very that, that's, that's a holdover. They, I love that they keep the turtlenecks. They keep the turtleneck <laughs> and the glasses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, they both work, even though the glasses are a bit daggy in 90s. Like it's still, <laughs> yeah. It's it's such a late 80s look though. It's such it's like the turtleneck and the, and the round, the big round glasses. It's such a holdover it, from like yeah, five years it, ago, you know. It really makes me think like, did Steve Jobs watch these films? <laughs> <laughs> and get a little bit inspired. Any more interesting film trivia before we move on to our minute challenge stew? No, I'm sure I'll think of some more, but that, that's a, that's about all. Oh, oh the, the only other thing, I mean, we might this might come up uh, later, but I'll, I'll, I'll include it now just when we're talking about casting. So obviously Jim Carrey is in this as the Riddler and uh, Tommy Lee Jones is Two-Face. Apparently they hated each or not. Jim Carrey was a big fan of Tommy Lee Jones. Tommy Lee Jones was not a fan of Jim Carrey. Uh, uh, and in a, uh, an anecdote that I find absolutely delightful, apparently during filming, <laughs> Jim Carrey saw Tommy Lee Jones just randomly on the street. Like they had finished work for the day and he just saw him out for dinner. And he ran up to him and, and said, oh, you know, Tommy, it's, it's great to see you. And <laughs> Tommy Lee Jones stood up, embraced Jim Carrey and said, I hate you. I really don't <laughs> like you. I cannot sanction your before. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that is a direct quote. Can I get that on a t-shirt? I cannot sanction, I cannot your, buffoonery. sanction your buffoonery. I um, cannot sanction his buffoonery in this movie. And yeah, I mean, yeah, as as harsh as that is, he's kind of hitting the nail on the head. But you can also see, I mean, <laughs> this is the thing. Tommy Lee Jones had I probably I guess at the time of Batman, his most famous role would have been, you know, outhouse, doghouse, shithouse, brickhouse, farmhouse, henhouse, that guy. Marshall, dude, from The Fugitive. Um, no, I think that might be, was that before this? or let Yeah, me that was 92, I want to say. Yeah, yes, it was. Yeah, no, you're right, yeah. you're right. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he'd done Under Siege and he played against type in that when he played the bad guy. And then oh. he played, yeah, and then he was in The Fugitive in 93, and then this came out in 95. But I don't know much more about Tommy Lee Jones before the 90s. Like, I don't really have a radar on him. Did he work much in the 80s? Like, was he known for something before then? Because I... He did a lot of he did a lot of TV. Okay. So, like, he was in an episode of uh, Charlie's Angels. Like, he did a lot of stuff. And then he kind of, yeah, he, he yeah, you're right. He, like, he kind of just was in, and he was in a lot of TV movies. 
I don't know what his breakthrough role was. He was in he was in JFK. Um, of course he was role. in JFK. Oh, that's yeah. where I first saw him in JFK. I was obsessed with JFK because I was like totally obsessed with the Kennedy assassination because clearly sure. true crime nerd at 12. <laughs> <laughs> I remember writing an assignment <laughs> for year seven about the JFK assassination. I think it was supposed to be a fiction, like a fictional assignment, like write a story. And I was like, no, I'm going to crack open the JFK yeah, you're, assassination. You're like, I'm, I'm going to solve this. And I basically just cribbed the plot of JFK, the movie. <laughs> you were like, folks, what we've, what we have been told is a fiction. <laughs> Here's what really happened. <laughs> it was Tommy Lee Jones. In the library with the candlestick. Um, <laughs> no, I, I that would have been where I first saw him and then The Fugitive. And I think that yeah. was kind of when he really exploded. Yeah, definitely. A, yeah, that, that was that was a big role for him. But but I, I remember at the time, like I remember that, I remember him being a, a movie star already. So he was he was definitely like a guy who people knew. But, but I think yes. he, that, that was sort of like a breakthrough for him. And then... But I suppose in, yeah. being that bit older, because he would have been in his... 40s then maybe yeah possibly although hard to said tell. That, he's not as old as you think he is he's one of those it's guys who's just got a face yeah he's got that sort of pockmarked face that sort of shows weary experience whereas you contrast him with jim carrey and this is where we get into probably you know our own experiences of jim carrey in the 90s but he was at the time of batman he was huge he was the biggest dude he was at the very end of his first like hot streak yeah, he was, and, and the comedy hot streak because he'd done Ace Ventura. Yeah. And I think Ace Ventura, Pet Detective. He did Ace Ventura and The Mask in the same the year. The Mask. Oh, of course, The right? Mask. So, yeah. And, and, and no, no, sorry. Actually, no, I, I take that back. He did Ace Ventura, The Mask, and Dumb and Dumber oh, in the my same God. year, 1994. Yes. yes. That had all come out in the same year. Yeah, because he was. The uh, In Living Colour sketch yes. comedy guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I remember seeing those clips because I think they had a clip show that they would play when they were talking about Jim Carrey because they couldn't really play In Living Colour because I guess they didn't really have the audience for it. So they're like, how do we crib all of this stuff with Jim Carrey in it? <laughs> And show it that, off. That's insane it, that like mid nineties Australia were like we can't show in living color on network television. Well, I don't know. Maybe they had showed it like a late night or something, but then they were trying to get capture the prime time. Yeah. So I remember watching like taping on VHS this special about Jim Carrey, and then just like copying all of his characters and the just the, like the things that he would do comedically with his voice and with his face and with his eyes yeah. I think when you're a teenager and you're like oh my god comedy is so physical and he's funny physically like I was obsessed with him I was just he, obsessed he, me too me too I mean yeah he, he appeals to uh, it, this sounds really disparaging and it's not necessarily meant to be but he appeals to children because he's doing like a lot of slapstick stuff yes. and silly stuff and silly voices and yeah. modulating his voice. And he does this in, in this film where he's like, I am a king, am I? And he drops his voice way down and then says, was that overacting? Who knows? I can never tell. I can like, never tell. Yeah. He's just, he's in on his own joke, if that makes sense. And yeah. he's, he's in a, aware. In a kind of obnoxious way, if I'm being oh, honest. <laughs> totally obnoxious. And so I can, I can completely understand why someone like Tommy Lee Jones would be like, I do not like you. I do not like what you stand for. I do not like, like what you're doing. And then totally understand why Jim Carrey then did his full 180 swing and was like, no, 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 everyone, I'm a dramatic actor. I'm going to go do Andy um, Man in the Moon. Andy Kaufman. Yes. Kaufman, yeah. And then The Majestic and all 
the other films that he then went on to do that are all like serious, which I haven't seen that many of because I, I was just like, no, Jim Carrey's like a funny guy, isn't he? And then rewatching now, I'm like, it's turning it a bit on thick, aren't you, Jim? <laughs> so my confession is I have actually not seen a lot of his 90s comedies. It's it's tricky to unpack which of these are the reasons, but I'm a little bit younger than you guys, and so I wasn't seeing some of those films as they were coming out. I was too yeah. young. And then I had the eldest child, protective parents, like, that looks too adult kind of thing. You can't <laughs> right, watch yeah. that. That's yeah, right. So, but then also I remembered, like, distinctly thinking, I don't really like this guy. Like, this is all a <laughs> bit much, right? And I don't know how much of that is me just being like, that's a little bit beyond me, you know, and how much of it is me going like, no, you know, sure, I can't watch it, but I also wouldn't want to watch it. Well, the thing is <laughs> that the turnaround on on Jim Carrey was huge because like 1994 was like the hottest of hot, hot streaks there's ever been. Yeah. And then 1995, he does Batman Forever and Ace Ventura When Nature Calls. And after that, everyone just sort of is like, I think we're done with this guy for a while because the cable guy came out in 1996 and it was like an attempt to sort of subvert his own sort of myth that had already arisen but yeah that did not do well and people were like i do not I get never this saw it. i don't like this guy we're yeah. sick of him please take him away because it was the when gross was out the thing he, he did the gross out stuff you know and ace ventura had a bit of that like yeah. the second one where yes. he got you know fell out of a rhino's backside and yes. i think the ca- i never saw the cable guy but from memory it had a lot of stuff where he was particularly you know, being annoying and gross, and well, it was it was a lot dark. It was a lot more grounded and darker. That was the thing. Like, like he was he was taking that wacky personality and was like, this guy would be like an insane person if you were actually to meet him. If you were to meet a guy like that, it would just be the worst thing in the world. Yeah. Given we're talking these two, here's a thought I had watching this. Yeah. Would Kerry maybe be better in the Two Face role because? Oh, Look, Tommy Lee Jones is fun in this and he's, you know, and he really, you know, he, he doesn't do a lot of, like, right at the very end, he tacks on a bit of like, oh, don't let us die. And he does a little bit of like me and me, but he doesn't, he doesn't do a lot of that. Whereas I think if Kerry could play it as like one side of him is very like, oh no. And the other side is just crazy manic. Yeah, I mean, he'd li- he'd literally done that in the mask. That that's that's what the mask was. That's true. Um, true, yeah. So, so you know, I agree. I, I think I think Carrie probably could have played Two Face. I don't think Tommy Lee Jones could no. have played the Riddler. No, no. You know, but but having said that, like, I think he's miscast as Two Face. I don't. I he just sort of, you know, he's playing up against Jim Carrey. So he, you know, anyone is going to sort of fade into the background a bit. But he's really swinging for the fences too, and it's just. I think he's going for Jack Nicholson. Yes. Yeah, he's trying, yeah, to, yeah, he's trying to do like, he's, he's like, he's put that VHS on and has gone like, okay, yeah, 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 okay, oh, I can go big, I can go big. Yeah, he, yeah he's doing better. a joker. He's, he's doing like little giggles and stuff and, and uh, like yeah. little dances and things. And it's like, that's not, that's not Two-Face. That's the Joker. That's like Jack Nicholson's Joker. Yes. And it's, there's no kind of modulation to Harvey Dent. Like he's supposed to be the DC, uh, DC, DA. District Attorney of DC yeah. Comics. Um, <laughs> uh, 
but there's no real there's there's only one time near the end where he kind of modulates his voice and is like oh no and it, he sounds like the Tommy Lee Jones of the fugitive or yeah JFK and it's just all wackiness like I just want to kill Batman there's no real reason even at least Jim Carrey as tenuous as it fucking is and it is so tenuous the fact that he was an engineer at Wayne Enterprises who Bruce says no I don't like your idea I'm not going to give you any money and is obviously a megalomaniacal genius whatever at least he's got you know a sense of I've been wronged whereas for Two-Face it just doesn't make any sense why is he so upset with Batman. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if you know, if you know the, if you know the comics or, or anything like that, like, you know that like, but basically, you know, there's, there's a lot closer connection and we see that in later films that they really make that connection quite clear. But in this one, they just kind of take it as read that, oh yeah, um, he was an XDA. Batman didn't stop him getting splashed with acid. And so now he hates Batman and wants to kill him. You get it. Yeah. doesn't <laughs> hate like, the guy okay. who actually splashed him with the acid. Yeah. <laughs> hates Batman for intervening. It's just, it's so, it's just swept over so quickly that it made me annoying. Oh, yes. Is it time for the minute challenge? Let's, let's do that. Is it my turn this week? Oh, you can, you can go first. Okay, great. Nick, feel free to jump in whenever you like. So just writing down a few things here. Um, I think this is better than Batman Returns is my (laughs) summary. (laughs) Even though Batman Returns is obviously like, Tim Burton's unfiltered vision. This feels like a weirdly more cohesive film and a more propulsive film. Like you get a sense that things are leading naturally from one thing to another, whereas Returns is all over the place. I think that's what I mean. It just was slightly more cohesive, perhaps, even though, as I said, the plot is not there. It's no, still it's slightly bad more... guys are bad guys because they're capital B, capital G, bad guys. Yes. You know, like this, well, yeah. I think this one benefits and suffers from it's essentially maybe two and a half episodes of a 60s tv show <laughs> yes, like yeah. like you know, the, the, the bad guys here he's gonna have his run batman will foil the plan and he'll end up in arkham like like it's it's in and out and then yeah. you just kind of stack two bad guys in there throw in a little bit of you know psycho babble and a robin origin story and yeah. whereas the burton one i think it was it returns that there was a writer's strike and the the script got passed around. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you throw in that plus it's Burton's vision. Plus you've got possibly too many people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. And uh, Danny DeVito's cloaca. Uh, sorry. Just really love <laughs> saying it. Um, next on my list was, gee, the riddles are a bit crap. Mr. E seriously, which I've already mentioned. <laughs> But they always are. This is the thing. Like, like I'm fascinated to see how the new the Batman. Movie, oh, the Batman, yes. Uh, deals with the Riddler, and I think they've done that by not making him the Riddler. They're making him a different character. Aren't they making um, him a serial killer? Yeah, they're, they're making him like a like a Zodiac style serial killer. Which to me is um, a great interpretation of it. Oh yeah, I'm I'm kind of a, like we we can talk about that when we get there. But I'm I'm kind of done with with super grim takes on the Dark Knight. Oh well, uh, that's we, which, true too. But you know, I mean, like well, having said that like i'm pushing back on like the weird neon noir aesthetic of this one but you know after the last few years of batman in film it does feel refreshing to just see a film that's like yeah everything's covered in neon why because it looks cool (laughs) let's just do it well that's funny because my next uh note was like jim carrey the hair the outfits Because and he he has the suit and he has the jumpsuit just like the Riddler from '66, just like Frank Caution. Yeah, except I don't think he has trousers. His suit is leggings and the jacket, 
like I think he's in a body like a onesie, and then he just puts the jacket over the top. Oh, really? Okay, like that's interesting. Yeah, because he he yeah. had the skinny legs on display. He um, has. I can't decide whether there, there's that line where he says, "Do you like my jacket? It, I, I wear it when I'm jogging at night." <laughs> it keeps me safe. I can't decide whether that's really funny or just really shit. I like it. <laughs> I like that line. I think that's one of the ones burned into my brain from when I was a kid and it's just the delivery of it It just always makes me chuckle. What I love is that he has so many different Riddler outfits. Mm. I'm like, who's his tailor? Well, not only that, like the thing that absolutely spins me out about this movie is this is a movie that presupposes that the Riddler's whole aesthetic is like already in existence. Like who is that? What is that thing that that he is like that is in his apartment, that weird like fortune teller device thing that has the Riddler's costume. Like, yes. what is that? Yes, but it's it's a way of like, you know, Michelle Pfeiffer just makes a costume out of something already in her house. It's, I guess, a it's a found object. Yeah, it's, a, I guess, a Madame Fortuna type of thing. But it, it is, and he's got one in his office that he bobbles he's the head off. He's got a little bobblehead, yeah. And it looks like, just like Frank Borsham. Yeah, exactly. Like, like <laughs> is the Riddler, like, infringing on someone's copyright? Like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> But yes, well, with with Jim Carrey, my thing was he has so many outfit changes and costume changes. And, you know, I just wanted to see like a background scene of him taking off one onesie to put on the other. <laughs> and who's styling his hair? Because he he's I, in some yeah. scenes as Edward Nigma, who becomes you know f- from from nerdy basement dwelling scientist, all of a sudden invents this. Very, very malicious-looking TV box, <laughs> complete with complete with um, plastic triangle wings, just for extra added ominous. Om, om, what's the word? Ominous. O- ominousness. Ominous. Oh my god, I can't speak tonight. But yeah, it's like it looks like a trophy with green plastic. This does not look like something you'd go. Oh, that looks like a very charming home device. <laughs> like. <laughs> Anyway, um, but yeah, also, he's got, like, he, he's got his hair as Edward Nygma. He's got like brown Jim Carrey hair, you know, at the party and things yes. and at the press yeah, conferences. Yeah. And then all of a sudden he's got bright pink hair or bright red hair as the Riddler and it's styled and pointed up. It switches up back and, and forth. And then it in, switches in a back way and that, forth. Like he must be wearing a wig on in one of those scenarios and which one is it? Yes. Because, because the moment he has like he has like a longer red hair hairdo to begin with and then it's brown. No 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 well because he he shows up as the Riddler in full costume to start with and he's got like the buzz cut. Yes. And then he shows up at the party and he's got like floppy brown he's got hair again. Floppy and then 90s he switches hair, yeah. back to the short but like, what bright I'm saying red is- cut. And then later in the movie in the climax when he's in that final sort of silvery outfit yeah, he's and got it's like all, the red hair, but it's, it's like, like longer. Wolverine. It's like Wolverine yeah. kind of yeah. But so like, which one of those is a wig? <laughs> but at the same time, he's wearing a red wig when he first <laughs> yeah. appears as the scientist because he's wearing like a longer reddish auburn wig, and then he's got his Jim Carrey brown hair in other scenes. It's all over the place. Like yeah, it's, just... it's, it's bananas. Like what? <laughs> so yes. Anyway, I then wrote. I tell you what, that Nicole Kidman. <laughs> <laughs> Having a real hard-on for Batman, I mean, it's just so unbelievable. I mean, what kind of woman would be obsessed with a man who wears a lot of black, doesn't say a lot, and fights bad guys? I mean, come on, guys. Guys, it's unbelievable. Come on. Come on, Nicole. Um, Chicks love the car. (laughs) She is luminous, as always. I, I don't know if she's particularly good 
but also the role is not, you know, it wasn't one she was <laughs> going to win nothing. the Oscar it's for. A, it's a thankless role. It is very thank- thankless. But she's luminous and uh, she still looks exactly the same because Hollywood. So that's yeah. good. Chris O'Donnell, that 90s. Chris that, O'Donnell. He was, he was a heartthrob, man. He when was. I was. He was just the clean-cut, square-jawed, round-headed. I loved him in Three Musketeers. I was going to say, um, Three, Three Musketeers was my touchstone. I, I, oh my I God, love that, that movie. That movie is genius. Stu, we'll have to do a, a, a recap on Three Musketeers. That is a genius <laughs> movie. It is so good. Charlie Sheen, actually funny. Kiefer Sutherland, all intense. I mean, Oliver Platt is Porthos. Oh, yeah. Oliver Platt. So, and and Tim Curry is Richelieu. Like, oh, guys, come best. on, come on. That movie rules. That movie is so good. We, we, we and- need to do a we need to do a mini series of nineties uh, family action movies yes. that had songs featuring Brian Adams. Yes, because that, because that would take <laughs> in Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. It does. It's Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. It's uh, Three Musketeers, and then it was Don Juan de Marco. Yeah, Don, yeah some, some uh, something. You never really love a woman. Uh, also, Johnny Depp. Um, <laughs> yeah, so he's he's all. I mean, what does Robin do in this? He just is. is his family dies. He's bent on revenge, and then eventually, Batman. <laughs> Sorry. Oh wait! He, wait! He 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 also does laundry. He does. Laundry. Oh, he does he just, oh god! He does. He does laundry foo. And I like the way that Alfred's like looking at him and eyeing him up, going, oh, "I see. I can see potential in this young Padawan." <laughs> the way he flips his his towels. It's just. Yeah, it was that was a bit odd. I mean, they could have at least shown him like riding the motorcycles that he seems all keen on, but no, let's just have him doing laundry. Um, no, what I love is the whole Val Kilmer spends the entire film trying to convince him not to become a, a masked vigilante because you know he's been there and he knows the pain and it won't take it away, and yet he still is Batman. It's just the disconnect between. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this this movie kind of it nearly gets there in what should be the relationship between Batman and Robin because like Robin is is usually the first thing to go when you're making Batman more serious and all that sort of thing. Like you get rid of Robin because Robin's like silly. He's, he's yes, like a little kid who dresses in bright colors. Like we get rid of him, but it's like no, no, no. Robin is essential to Batman. Like like the idea, the the, the myth of Batman because Robin is Batman working. Batman was there. For Robin, because, you know, Dick Grayson suffers a very similar origin story to Bruce Wayne. Mm. And that that's by design. Like, his parents are killed by a criminal. But instead of becoming Batman, he becomes Robin, you know? And that's because Batman was there already. The idea of Batman is working. You, you don't so, get another Batman. Instead, you get a Robin. And so what happens is, in this film, where, <laughs> where he says, he says... I'm going to come with you. And uh, Valkyrie was like, yes, okay, two is better than one odds. Yeah. And he's like, look, I can't promise I won't kill Harvey Dent. <laughs> and Batman's like, man, you do you. Batman says, a man's got to go his own oh, way. A friend taught me that. Oh, Guys, then there's, then there's the subtext. <laughs> well, we'll yes. turn to subtext corner. Robin, you don't understand me. Bruce, <laughs> I do. We're the same. <laughs> Robin, train me. <laughs> Are you suggesting a bit of Fifty Shades? Multiple, well? multiple times. He says, I don't need a friend. I need a partner. Yes, I did. <laughs> I did notice that. Joel Schumacher is gay, isn't he? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. 
Do you think maybe he saw it as a way of like telling I think he's, a... on, he's on record, isn't he? <laughs> oh, is he? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is a movie all about coming out, I guess, as a superhero. In many ways, yeah, about about reconciling the, the different sides of yourself. That's right. One in the light, one you keep in the shadows. Nah, nah, yeah. nah. Not talking about now, but like I guess talking about closetedness. Again, <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm just going to insult people now. I'm just people. No, are no, be... <laughs> it tracks. <laughs> yeah. Alfred does actually call it a closet. That they, that he literally does. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's, it's like a it's a closet. closet. A silver closet. They're in the silver closet. <laughs> that's right that's because he's trying to he says what's in that door why is it always locked it's the silver closet you've got to break into the closet to break out I've so many metaphors i did like that tommy lee jones's goons on the one hand seem to all be members of tism <laughs> <laughs> but also i like the fact that they use tommy guns i don't know why that just tickled me that, that tommy lee jones and all the all of his goons had Tommy guns. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it's that it's that weird, like, out of time yes. sort of ness of, of, of the, all these movies where you're like, well, is this the 1930s? Is it the 1990s? Like, where are we? Yes. There was a lovely moment at the party with Jim Carrey sort of trying to big balls Bruce Wayne. And, of course, Bruce Wayne's just like, oh, hey, Edward, congratulations. Great party. He's just so cool. Like, you can't. And, yeah. and Jim Carrey's like, oh, well, you've been outdone. Ha, 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 ha. And then... Val Kilmer takes out his glasses and then Jim Carrey puts on his and then Val Kilmer takes his off and Jim Carrey takes his. He's like copying the way when Bruce Wayne yeah. puts on his glasses and I thought that was a lovely bit of direction that just really. Well, there's um, actually there, there's something really interesting going on there that would have been interesting to sort of make maybe his main motivation, which is that like, you know, the the idea of Edward Nygma as this you know, stalker, basically, like, like he's basically a stalker. Yes. Um, yes. And they kind of lean into that and then they lean away from it towards the end for, for the super villainy. But like, that, that's, that's the best he ever is in the role. When, when he's being full on crazy over the top as the Riddler, I just tune out. But like, when he's actually like, he has real human pain as he tries to like emulate this guy who just will not see his vision, you know, like, it's just, it's, mm. it's really interesting and compelling to watch. Yeah, and it's also a bit of a proletariat fantasy as well. It's like I'm a genius and the freaking means of production, the bourgeoisie won't appreciate I'm going to seize the means of production. There's a little bit of a Marxist reading of Edward Nigma in this context. Maybe, maybe, although he does, you know, want to become very rich. That's, yeah, 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 but he literally says to, to Tommy Lee, he literally says to Two-Face, like, you're going to help me seize production capital so I can make my TV box. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. You know. It mostly it mostly just annoys me that like the Riddler wants to beat Batman platonically like like that that, that is that that is the idea of him he wants to outsmart Batman that's that's the point of him and in this one Edward Nigma is obsessed with Bruce Wayne specifically like Batman is almost an annoyance to him he's obsessed with Bruce Wayne and that just feels like a really fundamental misreading of who the Riddler is and how what. At what point does the Riddler work out that they're the same person? Is it just when he, he has the brainwaves and there's a bat just on repeat? Yeah, yeah he sees the thing. And, and it, <laughs> I love that the fantasy isn't, uh, it's not like, you know, him fighting crime or, or avenging his parents' death or something. It's just like a giant bat. Yep. <laughs> and, and why I like it is because it's got to be in slow motion oh, yes. in the dark or yeah. it's not cool. A regular, a regular bat flying is just, you know, whatever. There's got to be flapping its wings really slowly. And <laughs> Anyway, um, I think that's pretty much my list 
Okay, uh, well, I can I can run through mine. I think we've, we've touched on most of it, uh, but more. let's let's just go through. The first thing I wrote was in capital letters neon. Yeah, uh, because that is the the defining aesthetic of this movie. The next item I wrote was uh, joygasm, just as a way in to talk about Jim Carrey, which we've already oh my, done. I totally forgot about that line. Uh, I meant to write that down. Yes, bank me, which I, oh. I swear. I swear is a line from The Mask, but it's, it's not. It's, it's from this. It's Somebody it's Stop somebody Me. Somebody Stop Me. Somebody Stop Me in The Mask. And, then, and, then, and he also says, as the Riddler, he also says, really? Which is an yes, Ace Ventura it's line. An like, thing. They literally had him do the line, Bart. Say the line, Bart. Like they, the had line, him, Bart. they had him do the things he was known for. Yeah. While we're on The Riddler, now you guys have no time in this podcast for like personal 90s stories no you know, no we, we that you never purely have to into digressions no though. that you have to like re- you have to have been in southeast queensland to relate to <laughs> um so you'll just cut this out but um i just wanted to say or centered around specific gold coast theme parks oh my god yes okay i know i know where you're going with this now do you remember the riddler show at movie world no what no. is this so so Movie World had the Movie Magic Special Effects Show. Sure, yes. Which was the thing where they would show you, like, here's how a blue screen works or a green mm. screen. Yes. And then uh, they I, would show you, here's how sound is recorded. Yeah, I remember I remember vividly remembering uh, that they did a big uh, Foley demonstration. Yes, yeah. yes. So I think they do, and they they do a scene from, they show special effects, they show Memphis Bell. They have a plane from the movie <laughs> yes. Memphis Bell yes. that no one remembers. Yes, um, and they had a clip, so, I, think, I think you strapped in and was Superman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Someone the, got the, picked up to be Superman. Yes, yeah. for the green screen, so, and you'd look like you were flying. I'm almost certain this was tacked onto the start of that because we went a couple of times when I was a kid and they tacked on this thing where you would walk into this room and it's like soundstage size and it is a, it is the Riddler's lair and you see like a clip from the movie, laser starts shining around and you get all the, like the question marks on the floor Mm. and then a guy comes out and does like five minutes of a lip-syncing riddler performance (gasps) oh my god he he's in the spandex and everything and it is just like did did jim carrey like record the the lip-syncing just brought this back to me i think i might have seen that but it was the lip-syncing he's just like dancing around going oh what yeah it is so so i i it's on YouTube because, of course, it is. Oh, my God. And it is like a mixture of lines like, you know, why can't we all just, you know, open our minds or something like some line like that that he just stands there and lip syncs to. But then, like, Batman goes, you've gone too far, Enigma. And then he, like, he answers him. But then, like, Bat Dance by Prince starts playing and he just dances <laughs> around for a while. It's I just so I I I would have seen that before I had seen this movie. Oh like, my god! I think my I think my child like my childhood experience of Batman was the cartoon, which like was yeah. like that was my like gateway drug into Batman, and then just absorbing returns and this movie just through the cult just through yes. like the ads and yeah. the posters and the question mark was so like look it, it wasn't the the eighty nine you know iconic poster but just that question mark was everywhere um and and i definitely would have seen that some poor gold coast actor doing (laughs) riddler drag (laughs) 
before uh, I had seen a second of this movie. If that was you, call in. I would love uh, to. I would yes. love to hear oh, from someone do. who was a Riddler in the nineties. Let's do an oral history of, <laughs> of of yes of movie world. It was that or get a job at Dracula's. Oh gosh, that's <laughs> no. Please, uh, all the memories of movie world. I'm just because I they. I mean, they had the parade, and did they have the Riddler in the parade as well? Because they had Batman and Catwoman. Surely, I assume and, and... someone was dressed up as the Riddler, running around, spinning a walking stick, and because everything Jim Carrey did in this, I, I, I do wonder how much, how much of the script did they go. Okay, Jim, just take it away. Do some stuff. I th- I think there are scenes like when he first does the the brain draining thing on his his yeah. boss. Mm. There's like he plugs it in, and it's it's clearly they've gone like, look, here's twenty seconds of you yeah. just going do a bit of business and, and yeah yeah go nuts. Just- and then l- later on when he's blowing up the Batcave. Oh yes, there's there's definitely moments where they've basically said okay and just have fun with it. Yeah. And and the the thing where he adjusts his testicles and it goes boink boink, <laughs> that was classy. Uh, yeah, I just I feel like they just kind of turned the cameras on and went, "Hey, you're Jim Carrey. We trust you to just be crazy and rubbery and weird, and we'll film it and cut it all together <laughs> later." Move on to your list, Stu. Fair enough. Um, so the next item on my list is uh, Chase Meridian is hornier in this movie than all of Batman Returns combined. You think uh, I, my I, God. I suppose she is. I mean, there are no pussy jokes, but yeah, she's pretty keen for it. There's a lot of um, like like psychology puns that she uses, <laughs> and technical terms. And like technical too, yeah, wacko. exactly. Wacko. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she is pretty. She's pretty keen for it. I love the fact that she like turned up to the crime scene in a sexy black dress and. Yeah, like, like that's just what she that's just what she wears. And also the fact that she uses the bat signal to call Batman there. Does he always okay, so this is the thing. When they flash the bat signal, does he always turn up at the at the torch, at the light lantern lamp, whatever you call I, it? I mean, I think the, the idea is that that yes, unless unless there's something else that they need. But yeah, like, like the, the, the general conceit is that you you put the bat signal on and Batman will turn up to speak to Commissioner Gordon usually. Right. Um, who is that just who is a non-entity in this movie, by the way. Like that's Commissioner Gordon. Yeah. He's doing full on sixties yeah. cartoonish Absolutely. like Oh, sorry, Batman. You know. I was asleep. Yeah. yeah. And she's so she's got into his place. So what so what the lamp is on the roof of his house? Or his no, no, house? no, the, the, it's it's on the roof of the police headquarters. Oh, right. Okay. So she's just somehow got permission to flick it on and nobody else has noticed. Well, I think I think the idea is that she snuck up there um mm. to turn it on because he comes he comes running up because he's like, "Oh, who who turned on the signal?" Uh, and she's like, "I did." Rawr, let's do it right here, big boy. <laughs> And he's like, do you realise how long it takes me to get out of this suit? It's very rubbery. You can't just drop trout for a quickie. Like, it doesn't work like that, Chase. Um, <laughs> fine pursuit you must be. Um, that is a good line, you've got to admit. The- is, is that a good line, That Yeah, it is. It's great. What a fine pursuit you must be. That was so good. I love that one. <laughs> I did want to say about the signal because later on with the lamp, you see Commissioner Gordon um, – they flash the bat signal up, but Bruce initially is like, no, I'm stopping being Batman because he decides he's going to stop being Batman or something, but then he starts again. It's the third the third movie in a row where he decides to not be Batman anymore because he's fallen in love. Yes, but there's even a line. 
line where he says, I've never been in love before. It's like, yes, you have. And it's like twice. You've been in love <laughs> twice. And once again, you've met a woman and fallen in love with her within about four days. Less. Yes. Like, Did he though? Well. <laughs> okay. He's, you know, ostensibly fallen in love. Maybe that's what the, maybe to... maybe that was the subtext. He's like, well, I've never been in love before. Oh, really? So what you just had? So what are you saying, Bruce? You think that actually you might be looking in another direction for love? Hmm. We need to talk about the smile. Oh, oh. that makes no sense in any. I, like I could defend everything in this movie, but that. Makes Do you know, sense. I I kind of liked it. It's just, I, it's so like, dumb. He looks so weird. He looks so weird and dumb and I appreciate it, but I still, it was, I, it still kind of made me go, oh, that's but so. Like, so the, the point of it is that he's turned up there thinking she wanted Batman. Because she said she says, to no, him I've as met- Batman, my place, yeah. midnight tonight. Yeah. And then, then he's turned up and she goes, no, there's actually another guy. And he, the smile is meant to be, yeah, she wants Bruce. She wants Bruce, I can yeah. just be Bruce. And, and that goofy smile, it's, just the, <laughs> it's the wrong smile. It's the wrong smile for it's that too situation. Big. It's too big. I, I must admit I was surprised because I thought it was just going to be the flicker of a smile, like a yay kind of thing. Like, like Still got it. And I guess he, he must have been hard to make it read through the mask like, like yes. because you've only got the mouth to work with. So he's like, yeah. you know, smile bigger, smile bigger. <laughs> Can you imagine the takes that they did? Oh. And again, Val, again. No, we need you to smile, Val. He's not a big smiler. I suppose he was in Top Gun. He did a lot of smiling in Top Gun. <laughs> no, he he, spe- he spends a lot of this movie with a scowl on his face. Yes, particularly as Bruce Wayne. But no, what I was saying, Commissioner Gordon goes to the lamp to like signal and he's waiting there with another cop and he looks really sad that Batman hasn't turned up. Yeah. And well, then he sure see- well. Yeah, and then he sees the plane fly overhead. And Batman gives him the thumbs up. Gives him the thumbs up. <laughs> From the plane. Yes, he's on the roof of a skyscraper, oh. but Batman is going past, at one assumes, jet speed, and he gives the <laughs> thumbs up. And Commissioner Gordon's just like, go, go, yes. And he's just like, hooray, hooray, hooray. And I was like, dude, that is not a good reflection of your police force. <laughs> 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 like he's, he's standing there with the signal up going, Batman, you got to help us out. My guys are all crap. <laughs> we, we are hopelessly outclassed. We are so bad. Please come and save us again. But, but even even that is a throwback to the 66 version where, like, you know, the, the police would just call Batman and Robin at the drop of a hat. Something would happen. They'd be like, we and, have to call Batman and Robin on the red phone. Yeah, and he's called out, like, three times in a row or something. Like, he's mm. out every night as Batman. The people love it, too. The best performance in this whole movie. I think it's actually in the little 10-second Netflix preview that loads so you don't even have to play the movie just to watch this but when he drops through the glass ceiling and there's a guy standing next to nicole kidman that just goes batman yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's like a child thing santa claus yeah it's just... well wouldn't you i would if a batman dropped in i mean look if I, if I saw batman i would react that way but you know it's Batman. I, I did like I did like the uh, Jim Carrey. Like his entrance was your entrance was good. His was better. The difference <laughs> showmanship. But yes, I didn't understand the end fight. Are they on a secret island or something? The holy rusted metal bit. Yeah. And also, why? Yeah. They're on like a fake island. I think the, the idea is that it's like a floating island sort of thing. Yeah, and that's his headquarters that he's somehow yeah. built. 
he becomes a millionaire like real quick. Yeah, the, again, the, the the idea of how much time is passing is very elastic in yeah. this film. And oh, how about at the ball that gossip columnist? Oh she my is God. not even real. Oh, yeah. Like that literally, was just like, I think her, her character name is literally Gossip Gertie. Yeah. Uh, inquiring minds want to know, <laughs> Bruce, who's this beautiful young lady? And then it's like, Edward Nigma's company are out selling Wayne Enterprises shares two to one. Like it's so, she should really have got an Oscar for that performance. Because that, like, <laughs> in terms of taking direction and creating, we need you to create the most stereotypical 40s gossip. <laughs> column movie industry it's pretty sharp you can cut your teeth on it they also do that um movie thing like like an it's a very specific movie thing where there's any there's a, a quite frankly huge press pack following bruce yes. wayne but only one <laughs> named journalist ever like asks a question yes because if more of them talk they'd have to pay them Th- that's right exactly <laughs> yeah they, they wouldn't just be extras speaking of two people who essentially could be extras in this drew barrymore oh, and yeah. debbie Mazer. yeah, yeah. As sugar what a, and spice. Yeah. What a, what a thruple. <laughs> Very thankless. Because uh, Demi Mesa, what has she done lately? Because she was she was in a few. I think she was like a bad guy in Beethoven or something like that. She was. Oh, she yeah, was. That's right. She's she's got one of those faces which just sort of lend herself to villainess kind of roles, saucy, evil somethings. But I think she was a really good friend to Madonna. I think that was like what I remember reading that oh, they were like really like in like real besties. Life. Yeah, in real life. Oh, okay. But I don't know what else she's done recently. Well, yeah, because it's a wild pairing. Because I guess she she'd been in a, in a few things at that stage, and so and like Drew Barrymore obviously had been a child star and was and was known. But I think Drew Barrymore was probably. Well, more she, well known than, than her, she but, got a higher credit, yeah, yeah. If you watch the credit sequence, yeah, you're you're right, Nick. Like they are just sort of that they could just be faceless. Yeah, they could be like the like the Joker's women. Yeah, exactly. But but instead, they're like yeah. two named actresses for some mm, reason because yeah. they don't have a lot to do. Well, there's not a lot of female characters, so I think they were there to bump up the. Um ratio a bit yeah that's true drew barrymore has a little bit to do because then she obviously hooks up with the riddler and and yes. becomes like his primary arm candy <laughs> but she's like literally flirting with bruce he's like um i'm In bruce wayne miss and she's like you can call me anything you want and he's just like oh that's awkward uh why do these chicks keep doing this to me why do these women throw themselves at me i don't understand it i'm very handsome and have a lot of money i don't understand why these women just keep throwing themselves at me i love the way that they have the very detailed scene about how they've prepared him each a meal or eat both sides of him yes and and they have like how again who was the stylist who came in and went no 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 let's make sure we have a table that's sugar on one end and spice on the other and everything molds and looks exactly the same but with the different color palettes and it's a lot of work considering how random two-face was and how sort of uncontrollable he was he's like all yeah over i mean the place. yeah depending on the on the interpretation he his his branding goes up and down depending on how how camp you you want to be Mm, exactly. <laughs> there, there's only a couple of things on my left on my list, and that we've basically talked about them already. I, I wrote down uh, laundry foo, which is insane, <laughs> just complete nonsense. And then um, the final one was um, I don't kill, but I'm okay if you do. Yes, <laughs> it's just uh, that they nearly got there. Like they they had made a Batman that was way more competent than the Michael Keaton version, and then they effectively like just said, oh yeah, but he's still totally okay with killing uh, if if that's if that's what his partner needs to do. Yeah. <laughs> 
Everyone's got to, you know, find their own way and yours includes murder. So let's yours, work together. Yours includes horrible, horrible murder. And yet, you know, canonically, this, this version of Batman has killed many people. But again, I think it had a bit of flair in the directing. So Schumacher obviously had that going. Schumacher's the one who did The Phantom of the Opera, isn't he? Ah, uh, yes. He, he did. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, which I really can see a line from these Batman films to Phantom of the Opera. <laughs> <laughs> like it's there. Like acid thrown on faces. Yes. Yes. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Well, that's true. <laughs> Talk about directing flair. I, I, and yes, I had in my notes uh, Scooby Goons, Stew, Thunderball flashbacks. <laughs> yes. Uh, oh, wow. I didn't even pick then, up on the Thunderball flashbacks. There was another Bond thing that got me. And I don't know if it, if you, if it did with you guys too. And like, we have the open, yeah, we have the cold open, you know, the whole opening set piece. Then it ends with him falling from the bat plane or whatever it is into the water. And there's this cool kind of underwater shot of bubbles rising up. And I just expected like, this is the end. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was totally it was, the, like it, yeah. bond in the water. I was like, the, the opening song is going to play. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Batman, like, he's Batman. <laughs> He wears a cape, man. <laughs> it was a bit. He, he's in the water a lot in this film, relatively speaking. There's a fair bit of wet Batman. I also liked the uh, Batmobile's trick. This movie was to have its wheels turn sideways and very yes. slowly step to one side. <laughs> Once again, the Batmobile has one trick that happens yeah. to be the exact thing that it needs to do in a very specific situation. <laughs> yes. I mean, it can also drive up buildings. For sure, yeah, there That's is that. <laughs> the Bat Boat, though, the Bat Boat, they should get their money back on because that thing was not really very no. seaworthy. It just crapped out <laughs> the first line of a few explosions. And this is what I mean. Talking- like When Two-Face and um, the Riddler are playing Battleship to set off explosions because you know you need to make sure there's like a comedy explosion montage or whatever it is as opposed to just like pressing go pressing go pressing go no they have to have a game of battleship the riddler is in his green suit the traditional one the question mark by the time they get to the big reveal of oh no we've captured chase meridian and robin which one are you gonna choose and how did they even know robin was a thing like robin had literally just come in as robin and somehow they know that he's his assistant or his his youthful ward somehow they know and they put them up against each other and jim carrey has gotten changed into the spangly silver and green suit like he's taken the time to go wait wait batman's coming gotta change it's time for a costume change very very strange and then the speech where he's like i can save them both at the same time because i am batman and bruce wayne I'm both. I'm both. And I choose it. Yeah, and the falling grappling hook thing, that's that one was a bit rough. It was a yeah, fancy like, like, grappling the, hook. The, the, the idea is that it's it's presage, the, the whole death trap is presaged on the idea that he can only save one of them, except because he's Batman, he just saves both of them. It just sort <laughs> yeah. Of... I much prefer the I like the the, the coins thing. Yes. Yeah, that, that was that was cool. That, that's a, a that's cool way. that's yeah. simpler. It's executed well. Yeah, and even though it's naff, I did like the fact that you see sort of Two Face's gloved hand sliding into the ocean, and the coin just lands <laughs> right in his palm. Like naff, but I liked it. I giggled at that. That was you know a nice little thing. It's that of... thing where it's a tone thing. Like, like I, I think this movie would work so much better if it just picked a lane. 
Like, mm. it, there's, mm. it, it has all this, like, melodramatic but but much more grounded stuff about, you know, the, the, the psychology of, of Bruce Wayne and Batman and all that sort of thing. And then it also has, like, the Riddler and Two-Face playing, like, a version of Battleship to blow up Batman's <laughs> Batman. You know, and those those are two different movies. Those are two different movies that have been smushed together. Both could be good, but you have to pick a lane. And this this film never picks a lane. It just does whatever it wants in the moment. It goes by sea and by air, Stu. Yeah, indeed. What you're saying. Indeed. Why not both? What about what about the city too? Yeah, the, I love that the Atlas statues that in the last film were like maybe one story tall have yes. now grown to be <laughs> like there are statues. Statues so that are statues. skyscrapers. And Wayne Enterprises is like a hydroelectric dam. Yeah, what what is that? What is that? Where are they? Where is the water coming from? <laughs> Where is it going? Yeah, and when he and when he goes, um, because he's talking to Edward Nigma and he sees the bat signal and he sort of has to wrap up the conversation and goes into his office and is like, lock, chair, and then he slides down a chair into a coffin. Somehow he's in a coffin. And he comes out the other end and just you see him start, you see him walk, like take his jacket off, but you don't see him actually change into the bat suit because they can't show that because of how awkward it would be to put that damn thing on. You have to either show the transitioning kind of like zoomf, zoomf, belt clip in parts or you just show it having already happened. You can't actually show someone pulling on the pants one by one leg at a time. But, but uh, that, that, but does that, his office lead to the Batcave? Or I thought the Batcave was under Wayne Manor. And also Alfred is there waiting. I feel yeah. like maybe Alfred has to, when he's at work, be in the, like, work Batcave. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Seemingly he's, he was just waiting there. He didn't know that he would be needed. That is definitely a plot hole. <laughs> Quite sad. <laughs> the getting dressed, we have to just, those scenes are just... The bat butt. It's I, like, now, it's what are you talking about? The bat butt. What did I? How did I miss the bat butt? There's an egregious shot of Batman's ass in this. There's two suiting up scenes. There's a, one early on where it's like clip this, and it's everything's black, and it's all shot in close up. There's another one about halfway through where he has to get ready. Well, it's, it's where you get the new see. the new bat suit, like the silvery bat suit. Yes, and you just see bat butt. How did I miss all this? It is leather, daddy. <laughs> 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 yeah, and uh, just wait till next week. Oh it, boy, it only gets oh <laughs> it yeah, it's more extreme. I'm gonna have to find it again because I somehow missed all that. I don't know what's going on. Why? How did I miss Val Kilmer's butt? That's oh, weird. Matt. How did I miss that? I must have been. It must have been while I was cooking my dinner, and I turned my back. You turn <laughs> your back for one minute, and there's well, Batman certainly turned his back. That's all I can say. <laughs> so it's it's good. The Kilmer the butt is it. Is it a good butt? It's America's back. <laughs> <laughs> Hilarious. Hilarious. We have a universe crossover. Well, I mean, look, again, and, and Robin, like, he's in the spandex to begin with, but then he gets a muscle suit. Oh, I mean, we, ha- we haven't no. even talked about the fact that, like, Robin is a 25-year-old man who is for some reason being adopted by this reclusive billionaire. Yeah. Have we even they- talked, like... It- He's meant to, how old is he meant to be? Because he, he is literally referred to as a college student. Yeah, but that's movie. like. Do they say, that's do like they say college student? They say college student. So. Yeah, and it's strange because the whole him being dropped off, it's like, well, he was just going to go into the system. It, it, it's like he's 15 or something. Yeah, it's, it's like he was written to be like, yeah, like 13 years old. And instead they, they were like, well, that, that would be ridiculous. What we need to do is cast a, a man in his what? late 20s. To play someone in the in his early twenties 
but also still have him be adopted by Bruce Wayne. It makes no sense. You know, it was probably the, like, if it's a kid, that looks a bit weird. Mm. <laughs> and so they've just gone, well, you know, let's, let's just, let's just go it. with a, yeah. yeah. I bought him as a 20, 22-year-old going, thanks for taking him in. Like, he's been travelling with the circus. He's but why, lost I mean, family. why would he need to be taken in? Like, he's an, he's an adult. <laughs> <laughs> it's just... yeah. I guess I mean like somewhere to stay. All it needed was that line when he was dropped off at Wayne Manor to have been changed, and it would have. Yeah, yeah. because it it reads like he's a much younger character. Yeah, true. And and it's not it's not like he's playing a fifteen year old. Like like he's he's meant to be in his late teens yeah. slash early twenties. I mean, he's wearing an earring, dudes. He's pretty cool. <laughs> he steals the Batmobile. Oh, that was that was a fun scene. There was no repercussions to that, was there? <laughs> no. Well, no, he, he got invited to an event. Batman was like, come to the uh, the weird Edward Nigma event. <laughs> oh, yeah, Chase, sure, you can come too, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's what I mean is like Edward Nigma becomes super rich and famous within a few days and everyone is just hooked up. Basically, he invents mobile phones, I think is what he does. He invents smartphones. Yeah. It's like they're turning everybody into zombies. He invents social media. But he somehow gets energy from it. Like... Yeah, it's ne- it's never explained because he, he's meant to be like feeding on brainwaves, which is which mm. is a, a complete invention for this movie. It's it's never been in the comics before or since. Yeah, and, um, and, thought, and it's like... I thought you were saying that was a complete invention. <laughs> that, that's not we, real. Of course we know. You can't actually do that. <laughs> Look, I... Again, I'm in my whole universe had been this film was kind of okay, but not as good as Batman Returns. And I think my coming to it in hindsight sort of view is actually I think this one is a bit better, but also I don't know if that makes it good. I don't think it's <laughs> like it's just a bit more cohesive, I think, than Batman Returns, having looked at them now in sequence sure but, well, yeah, so so it sounds like you want to you want to do a, a, an official ranking the problem is you i've forgotten what i've ranked i think i'm the same as you i think i'm pretty much the same as you my current list is in descending order from number one number one is mask of the phantasm which is a, a great movie number That's two right. is batman 89 number yep. three is batman 66 and in last place is batman returns yeah so number four i can tell you quite definitely where mine would where I would put this movie yeah. and it would be j- just ahead of Batman Returns. So in in second, so in, in what would be fourth place out of five. Yeah, that's that's um, what I'm thinking too because I don't know if you're going to enjoy the camp 1960s Batman. Yeah, you just watch the camp 1960s watch Batman. the camp 1960s Batman. I feel like I'm just copying you, Stu. Uh, is that okay? <laughs> that's, hey, look, you know, it, it's all right to have the correct opinion. Is it okay that I just keep forgetting to write these down so it's just easier to sort of piggyback <laughs> off what you're saying rather than express an opinion of my own? I mean, the only person you're letting down is yourself, Natalie, so. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. It's, it's just so true. It just struck me, Stu, that these days Riddler has just got an anonymous Twitter account. Oh, yeah. Oh, definitely. <laughs> Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's just a reply guy. Yeah. He's just, he's, riddle me this, hey? 
Well, I mean, you know, R- Riddler would Riddler would have been full into Q. Oh, wow. yeah. yeah, Riddler yeah. and on. Uh. I don't know. See, this is the thing. I feel like supervillainry. I don't think supervillainry can really stand up to the actual real life stupid villainry. <laughs> like at least supervillainry kind of had a bit of ambition behind it, whereas you realize now, oh, actual human people are just dumb and <laughs> just they'll just believe random stuff you put out there. You were trying to create a box to take people's thoughts away and, oh, no, you're going to manipulate people's brainwaves. And it's like, just invent the smartphone. Does it all for you? We just <laughs> we just give it away ourselves. Before we finish, I just want to uh, finish the, the uh, podcast with uh, some talk about the legacy of this film and um, how it's being discussed in uh, 2021. Um, because of course we we live in a, a post Snyder Cut world where obviously uh, you know we got the four hour long Snyder Cut of the Justice League which we may or may not cover and I still have to be convinced. Well, we'll I've, see. I've watched an hour of it, so it's <laughs> <laughs> a start. I got through um, an hour. Yeah, that's it. Um, but do, are you guys aware of the idea of the Schumacher cut? No. So the Schumacher cut is apparently a 50-minute longer version of Batman Forever. What? <gasps> 50 minutes? Yes. So there's stuff. I mean, so on, on the DVD, there's a lot of uh, deleted scenes. So there, there, there is some deleted scenes, but mostly they're just extended talking scenes between, you know, Alfred and Bruce and Alfred and, and uh, Dick and, and a couple of other things. But basically a, a lot of it is to do with, the dreams that that Bruce is having. So basically, it's it's oh, way more dream stuff. But it, it it apparently makes it a lot clearer what's actually going on, and it clears up a problem that this film has, which is that there's this running subtext throughout all of the dreams that Bruce Wayne carries a lot of guilt over his over his uh, parents' death, but it's never explained why, and it's never resolved. Um, yeah, good sort point. Of, the Schumacher cut apparently explains all of this. Like apparently in the conception of the film, young Bruce had begged his parents to go and see a movie that night and otherwise they wouldn't have been in that alley. That's sort of been touched on in other versions of, of, the, mm. of the character. The resolution to that would have been that he realizes that the Red Book is his father's journal and he remembers reading in it that his father had planned to take him to the movies that night anyway, regardless of whether or not... <laughs> He had done, and so it kind of like removes his guilt over his parents' murder, oh. right? I suppose, Which, and this is the thing: as a kid, you probably would do that. You probably would blame yeah, yourself and go, totally. "It was because of me. Yeah. I wanted to do this, and now they're yeah. all dead." Like it, that, that actually makes a lot of sense. But I don't know if that would be fully resolved. The movie, the movie leaves like vestiges of that stuff in there, but then it never resolves any of it. It just sort of says, oh, "Okay," and and also he's made peace with himself now. Apparently, people have seen some of the extra footage, and they apparently it's good somehow. I don't know how that would be, but it's like, guys, I don't think the Schumacher cut has to happen. I, I don't think you need to manifest that in the universe. Well, too late. I've just started the hashtag. Well, that's right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's surely Release the Schumacher cut. More bat butt. More bat. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, more bat butt, more bat crotch. I, I've got to, I've got to now watch Batman and Robin. Uh, oh, you have to just to just just to complete this. But I, speaking legacy wise on a much smaller scale, I can't wait to see what you think of this next week. Because yes, I'm in my memory, 
once you see Batman and Robin, this seems like <laughs> such a better executed movie. And this is just going from memory, though. I, I think with that one, it's it's like he tries for the same kind of thing, the like 60s camp, but it's just all that and the tone's off. Yeah. And you'll find that next week. We certainly will. Big anticipation. I'm just looking, while we've been chatting, because uh, I had YouTube up trying to find the bat butt, there's been a scene here. It says Bruce Wayne and the big bat in the bat cave, and it's just been playing on in the background while I've been talking to you guys. He's found the journal in the cave and was reading it, and it said something about, and he's crying. And right. now there's a giant bat, like a man-sized bat with red glowing eyes oh, flying God. at him and stare, like breathing at his face, like flapping his oh, wings in front of him and, bre- and like roaring right. at his face. And he's just like staring at it in the face. It is a dodgy looking <laughs> bat <laughs> by today's standards, but it might look convincing, but it's, yeah, it's like a full on guy in a bat suit, like not a Batman suit, but a bat with the, rubbery wings yes yeah, yeah yeah and he's holding up his hands to it it's just playing while i'm talking to you and it's just oh. the camera is circling them like they're dancing or something but it's um yeah just google it and alfred's oh alfred's just standing there watching the one uh, thing i will do because obviously that's not meant to be a literal bat monster that he's facing down like it's meant to be very like subtextual and, and i don't know it was just a it was just a bat monster um <laughs> it was literally just a guy in a Bat suit, but not a bat. Because suit. I was, I was going to say this film, for for whatever its faults, it's not afraid to use just imagery. You know what I mean? Like, like it's it's definitely mm. it's doing that in a way that I think modern superhero blockbusters are are extremely reluctant to do. Like the modern superhero blockbusters are meat and potatoes. Like this is literal. Everything is plot driven. This movie is almost all character. Yeah. Or they take the wrong lesson from this yes. and you get the slow motion pearls and the roses yes, well, yes, exactly. done Zack Snyder style where they're just, where it's, you know, the bloody, the gun coming, like the gun firing mm. on the pearls breaks them slowly and they go spilling. It, it's like, it's not about that. Yes, no, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll get there. We are, we are barreling oh. towards that, unfortunately. But yes. this, gi- this giant bat though. Wow. You're seeing it? Yeah. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, it's it's practical. The camera is spinning around them. Yes. As they are both extending their arms. Yes. Like uh, the bat has its arms out and he's extending his arms. It's like a dance sequence. It's a, it is. It's a, it's a, <laughs> I've wow. had the time of my life. Yeah. They need to cut that with different romantic songs underneath it. Oh. And you well, can this, see. Well, this should just be the kiss from a rose. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god, yes. I've been kissed by a rose on it probably was, you know. But yeah, you can YouTube it up. Batman Forever deleted the scene, Bruce Wayne and the Big Bat in the Bat Cave. And it's full on. I mean, I can see why they kept it to the bat in the distance flying at you because it's more menacing. Whereas when you actually see its face, you're like, that is a dodgy puppet. <laughs> How is that scaring, you know, haunting Bruce Wayne's dreams? I mean, haunting it but in a very different way. Are we done? Is that it for Batman? And I think I think we're done. I've, I've got nothing else to say about this movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, is this Nicole Kidman's? Oh no, I suppose she she uh, was an Aquaman, so she has taken another spin at the superhero yeah, genre. True. Maybe she'll come back another day with the same smooth, smooth skin, <laughs> <laughs> which has never changed. Uh, I'm not uh, saying anything. I just I've, you see her in public, and she's wrapped up constantly against the sun because she's so pale. 
but uh, definitely very smooth skin. Looks practically the same. <laughs> Nick, your final thoughts at all on Batman Forever? I'll get drive through. <laughs> oh my god! I forgot about that the line. The first line of the movie. That's the first, the first line, line of, the of the movie. Why would you even say that? You don't. You wouldn't get, or at least show us that at the in the end credits is like a little thing. They should actually show you that. Yeah, you know, it's it's like these these days they've learned that if you want a line that you can put into a, a McDonald's ad, you can just shoot it for the ad. So, yeah, that's right, exactly. Know. Oh yeah, they were simpler times. Oh, so you think that was purely because of product placement? I I'm convinced that ad played through my childhood. I, I was going to say I, I'm pretty sure that was a McDonald's ad. That makes sense. Yeah. Also, because you say drive-through, if it ends up not being McDonald's in the sponsorship, it's <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, exactly. Major fast food retailer. <laughs> Oh, goodness me. Yes. Well, thank you very much, Nick, for bringing that up. That was an oversight on my part for not remembering to write that down. Oh, goodness. That's my final thought. You can find Stu at Disco Stew on Twitter. I am at Girl Clumsy and Nick is Nick underscore underscore W. Is that right? That's it. Yay, I got it right. Um, if you have any thoughts on Batman Forever, please call in on Twitter. We're also on Facebook, facebook.com slash Natalie's Throne. And, uh, of course, my patrons, my wonderful, wonderful patrons, patreon.com slash girlclumsy. Thank you so, so much, as always, for your wonderful support getting out these podcasts. Uh, it is it's amazing that you have my back in this strange and confusing time when I don't know what I'm doing with my life. But that's okay. Who does, really? Certainly Batman doesn't. He's just assuming that he's going to be fit enough to fight crime indefinitely, so that's fine. Big thank you to Nick for joining us. Thank you, Nick. My pleasure. Uh, you'll have to, to keep an eye out uh, if there are any other Batman films that you're particularly passionate about. But there's not as many, so some of them haven't been planned. Sure. So quick. But uh, yes, please chat to us on Twitter if you are there, or Facebook or Patreon. And um, Stu, as we always like to say, same bat time. Same bat channel. Same bat channel. And we'll see you. Same bat nipples. <laughs> 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 and we'll see you for more nipples next week with Batman and Robin. Bye, yes. everyone. Bye.